Wildcats to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Men's Hoop Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, uh, returning to chat with us about some Big Sky hoops. So both Sean and I enjoyed it from the comfort of our own home. Sean Lewis. Sean, um, what do you think about this week, man? Uh, little, Good little... evening, Colby. I, I um, have an irrational hatred of this entire state of Montana, and that continues <laughs> to this day. Fair enough. Uh, you know, it's so tough because Montana is such a beautiful state, uh, but man, those teams, they just get you. <laughs> Pesky. Also returning for the first time, I think this season, uh, we've got the signposts own Simon Mortensen. Simon, what's good, man? Haven't seen you in a while. Glad to have you back. Yeah. I, uh, oh, it's good to be back. I, I Senior year? Senior year. And it's they're supposed to be more of like a easy schedule, I guess. And then... I took over the head editor role and then all of a sudden, like all this other stuff started to happen. So I got busy, but then I like on my footing and I'm getting back on track. So I think it's going good now. <laughs> That's good. Well, good to have you on, man. And glad to chat about some wildcat hoops. So let's talk a little bit about tonight's show. Um, we're going to talk about last week's games. Of course, we're going to talk about the big win over Montana state and the heartbreaking loss to Montana. And then we've got a mailbag segment. Uh, we asked our folks, uh, wildcats on social media, if they had questions for the panel about uh, the upcoming season, about you know, all kinds of things. And so we've got some questions primed and ready for them to give their takes. So stick around for those. Uh, but before we get into all that, I want to encourage everyone, please subscribe to the show, Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, all super good places to find Weber State Weekly. You can also uh, find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, hit us up there. If you've got ideas for shows, if you want to get involved, you want to be on the show, hey, man, just message us. Glad to have, glad to uh, get some more Wildcats involved. We're also on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. We've been posting our premium previews there. And I've been brainstorming on maybe some other additional content for our Patreon subscribers. Want to... Shout out to them and their support of Weber State Weekly. And so if you want to become a Patreon supporter, go to Weber, uh, patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly and sign up to become a patron. And uh, we'd appreciate your, uh, your support. So let's, uh, let's talk about this, guys. Um, last week, you know, it was big week, I think, in terms of conference standings. Montana State coming to Ogden, Montana coming to Ogden in a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a huge, like a bunch up at the top of the conference, but definitely the kinds of games that would decide the probably two through four seeds. Is that, is that a fair assessment of, you know, the way things looked going into Thursday night last week? Uh, I think two through four, and I think uh, Eastern solidified the number one seed, even though it's not mathematically official. It's going to be really tough to knock them off that perch from here on out. Yeah, I just need to see them lose one because at this point we're playing <laughs> 2003. the pride of 2003. Exactly. Like, I can't, I don't want the name of Eastern Washington up there with the Jermaine Boyette Wildcats. Like, I just can't. I don't want it. So Wildcats will have their chance to screw that up. But I think you're right, Sean, as it sits. Eastern, probably the one seed. It's what it is. They're on a 15-game win streak. Um, yeah, I mean, they could drop one. Who knows? But at this point, like you said, it's not mathematically locked in. But it's going to be really tough. They'd have to fall off a cliff to not be the one. And I just don't see that happening with this team. They play too well together. So, Simon, what about you? Going into this one, how are you feeling going, looking at the, down the barrel of this last week? Yeah, no, I think uh, 
I think from what I saw this week, I looked at this math at these matchups from Thursday and Saturday. And, you know, you look at them because first off, they're the Montana games. Like that's, that's your big ones. And you've been waiting yeah, they're for big. Right. Exactly. And so um, I kind of put together a preview for both games um, and wrote about them and kind of noticed like the schedules that were set up and like, you know, look at these as like, these are some pivotal games for not only Weber state, but also Montana and Montana state as far as seeding, because there's a few t- times where and I can't remember, I might be getting my, my mixed up, but I remember, I think it was Montana has a, Really, one of them had like a really easy schedule after, and one of them had a really hard schedule after. Like they had some teams in there, but they were generally like a little bit less competitive. I'll have to see which ones they were, but um, like it's a game that definitely affects seeding. Like these are teams that are super close together right now. They're the two, three, and four spots, and so yeah, it's especially coming at the end of February. Like those are big games. So yeah, so so they have the exact same schedule except one game, right? They. They have the Cat Grizz uh, game uh, coming up this weekend on the 18th on a Saturday. So they have the, the Thursday off. They play Saturday. Uh, they're home to Portland State and Sacramento State next week. And then they have um, on the final Monday of the season, um, Montana um, is at Idaho and Montana State is at Eastern. So that's where your easier, harder comes in is yeah. just that very last game of the season. But otherwise, it's the same. And and they... Uh, um, that Cat Grizz game always is going to be a, a wild one that has some seating implica- implications um, to it. Um, depending on how Eastern does going into that final game, if they're undefeated, I could see them resting some players. And um, if they've got the one seed locked up um, and frankly, they can't finish any lower than second at this point. So uh, they, um, uh, they're they're locked into those Sunday games of the conference tournament. So um, Eastern can pretty much be on cruise control from here on out. In my view, I think, Simon, that it's pretty much sixes because while the Grizz do get Idaho in Moscow for the last game of the season, which, I mean, they've been no slouch in Moscow. I'll say that uh, Wildcats were able to get the win there, but Idaho has not stunk it up. They've got they've got quite an offense there. The game against the Cat Grizz game, like Sean was saying, is is in Bozeman. And so that's where I think that like the tilt is where it's like, okay, yes, the final game of the season is easier for them because it's against Idaho, who has not been a great team in conference play. But they've got to play Montana State in Bozeman at the brick. And so that's tough. You know, the Wildcats had a very bad game at the brick this season. I mean, they were not in that one at all. So. Yeah, I'd say it's sixes, but um, definitely don't want to face that Eastern Washington team the last game of the season in Cheney, right, Sean? That's, that's just like that's, that's what I was probably remembering right there. I was like, I remember seeing Eastern Washington on there as a final game, I'm like, oh shoot, and then yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. So so it's it's interesting because you know let let's play out the season. Say say Montana State um, runs the table through that game. Uh, which I don't think is entirely off the off the table. They could beat uh, Montana at home, right? They've got the green teams at home, and and we all know how we feel about the green teams. And and Montana, Montana State should definitely run, definitely in the class that they should always beat the green teams, right? Um, and then and then you're at Eastern. What if Eastern drops two games? 
And then all of a sudden you're playing for the number one seed. Now, number one versus number two, I don't think is much of a difference in the conference tournament, but there's bragging rights that come with number one. Right. Sure. And, and, and so, and you so, do get a ring. I mean, you do get you a do ring. Get a, you do get a ring. Not the but, ring you so, want, but you get one. But, but that game all of a sudden has super importance. If Montana state runs the table and Eastern goes on cruise control and drops a couple, that game gets really huge, really fast. So um, I, I think that, Eastern, you know, they're they're pretty much locked into the one seed, but there's a path where they could finish as low as second. And and Montana State is the one team that can take them down um, if if Montana State takes care of their own business. Yeah, fair points all. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of these implications in the mailbag segment. But guys, let's talk a little bit about this last week. Uh, let's start with, you know, this Montana State game, because. I'm going to be honest, folks, that was a big win. That was an absolutely massive win to knock down Montana State with the level of basketball that they've been playing. Um, Going through, Jabril Bella was a non-factor. Raekwon Battle got his, and that's who he is. But uh, Great Osabor was really kind of the front court presence for the Grizz. And so overall, guys, Wildcats shot the ball really well. Let's start with things you liked. What did you like from that Montana State tilt? Um, you know, one of the things that I, I really loved about this game, um, I loved the second half effort. This is something that we've yeah. loved from this team all year. We love that game in Utah State where we just came back. And um, there are sometimes where I watch this team and they can do anything in the second half. They really can. Um, and you see that kind of going on at the start of the second half with Dylan Jones coming in and starting starting this run that became a prominent part of this game, right? Um, that's the other thing, too, is you were talking about Jabril Bello being held back. He got held back to eight points. Um, Weber state has, um, has had a hard time sometimes defending dominant big men and dominant forwards and dominant centers. Um, yeah. We still get out rebounded on occasion and they even kind of got out rebounded in this game. Like if you're looking at, especially no offensive rebounds really, except for like two or three. Um, and then, yeah, like, I mean, it's pretty much sixes, but still, um, even sixes against a team like Montana state is phenomenal. So that's one of the things that I really love about this one. I feel like we played tough and we played aggressive and I always love seeing us come back in the second half um, because I think, man, there, there are times where I've seen them and they can do anything in the second half. So it reaffirmed that. <laughs> yeah, Sean, you know, what, about, the, the, what about you, man? The, What'd you like? The second half was the entire game, right? It you're was down five. You're down five at halftime. That lead gets to as high as nine. Um, right there at the at the start of the second half, you bring it, you tie it up with about 12 minutes left. So right about the fourth quarter, and then you go on that run where you you get up by um, 13, I think was the high um, with two minutes left. Uh, they didn't or 14, pardon me, part 14 with uh, three minutes left was the high. Um, that that run really to tie the game really took all the momentum away from Montana State. It really took took their hearts out. They, they it, it felt like after that they they just like okay we're we're just not in this game tonight and it, and it's not going to happen. So um my like was was the dub but I thought it was a, a real team victory for the Wildcats. The the defense shut them down. Uh Montana State had scored um 39 in the first half. We held them to 24 in the second half. I mean that's that's just turning on the defensive pressure. And and getting the job done, so um, I, I really liked that. Um, the the standouts 
to me on 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 there. Obviously, DJ with eighteen, um, Steve Verplanken with seventeen, really lighting up three of five from from three point land. Um, I just just an all around good game in the second half was 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 really great. Um, so yeah, not much to complain about on Thursday. No, and I, I agree with you guys. I like the defensive pressure in the second half because it really kept Montana State honest that they couldn't just coast. I felt like the first time mm-hmm. that the Wildcats played them, they had built up so much momentum beating the Wildcats that you know Wildcats are down twenty at the half. They went on that quick run right before the the buzzer at halftime, where they just you know rattle off like I think it was like eight points, eight or ten points because we were down like twelve at that point, and then they just go boom, 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 and you're down twenty at the half. A lot of your guys are in foul trouble already. It's just things just weren't cooking for the Wildcats. Whereas it felt like the exact opposite was was the case in the second half of the game in Ogden, where it was like okay, we're down five, but we can do it. Like you said, Sean, they they just go on this hot run. And before you know it, they're up 13, they're up 14 points. And Montana State is reeling because they're not shooting the ball as well as they usually do, which I think is one of the things that has served them well this season. I mean, right now as a team in conference play, Montana State has been you know, they've been okay shooting the three, but it felt like the night that the Wildcats played them in Bozeman, they were just ripping the nets. Like just there was, they could do no wrong. Everything seemed to be falling. And in that second half, it just wasn't the case. They shot two of nine, 22%. And I think that was a big factor in them just not getting back in it because once the Wildcats put that double digit lead on, man. Um, but I will say that Bobcats put a scare in them, didn't they? You know, under under three minutes, yeah. they put a scare in them. Wildcats hey, held on, though. One other thing. Um, can we give some love to to Tamba, um, who came in? Alex Chu got into foul trouble, um, yeah. only played 16 minutes. Um, Tamba played 24. In fact, the three bench players uh, that, that played mostly, uh, Porter, Tamba, and Ballard, uh, 22, 24, 23 minutes, respectively. Um, just just great performance from the bench, um, putting in quality minutes and both halves, but um, didn't really light up the uh, uh, Z had 13, but the other guys only had four each. So it's not like they were really lighting up the stat sheet, but putting in quality minutes, doing the hustle plays to, to, to keep uh, that that game in, in hand uh, and really extend the lead there in the second half. Yeah, what 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 a great couple of games for Zaire Porter, man. I mean, yeah, I mean, watching him on Saturday, just some of the shots he was coming up with in that second half to to put the Wildcats on that run to make the Grizz sweat at the end of that game. There were some big shots where it was like, man, I wish I could have seen this guy all season because I hope that that's a trend that continues. Because if Zaire Porter can be that X factor off the bench. That's that's what Raekwon Battle was for Montana State last season. He was a guy that was coming in off the bench, was able to hit the three, uh, very aggressive, a great shooter, and it made a huge difference in their offense, being able to bring a guy like that off the bench. And so I was really impressed with Porter in these two games because he's had a tough season. He hasn't had a lot of shining moments, but man, was he good in these two games. That's one thing that I've loved about seeing Zaire Porter as well, too, is... Um, we kind of saw him play that role of, you know, this X factor six man at the beginning of the season, especially going back to that Utah state game, you see 
coach Duff throw him in um, to kind of shake things up a little bit and try to get some athleticism in there because that's one thing about him. He is quick and he can hop. Like I, I remember taking someone to that Adam state game and watching him doing uh, warm ups and dunking. And he had some of the best hops I've ever seen, but that's one thing that he can do for you is that he puts, he puts that defense on their toes, no matter what, even if he's having a, a rough game where he's not shooting well, um, he's quick and he can he can break things up very quickly. So I'm glad to see him kind of being a little bit more efficient and getting in and getting some points and and getting on the boards a little bit more. Yeah, guys, a couple of other things for me from this uh, from this Montana State game. Three point shooting was great. I feel like that's the thing that the Wildcats have been missing. When they can hit their threes, they've been very very competitive, even in games where it seems like not. Where like the Montana game, we'll talk about it in just a second. Defensively, there were some struggles. And a big reason was because Montana was really good at sharing the ball. They were really good at it. And it's something the Wildcats are going to have to overcome because if you're going to win the conference championship, you're probably going to have to face Eastern who is dynamite at sharing the ball. Um, But I liked the three point shooting. It really, really made a difference. It took a lot of pressure off of the bigs and unpacked the paint. It kept defenses honest. And I liked that. Uh, another thing that I felt was, I guess, a thing that I liked. Um, we've talked about the bench points. A lot of the bench points were Zaire Porter this weekend or this week, Thursday and Saturday. I realized we didn't talk about the Northern Colorado game because we recorded this show last week right before that game started. It's fine with me. We can burn that tape. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Did that game exist? I'm sorry. We played them. I, I forgot that that <laughs> happened. Um, it's not, I don't want to talk about it. So even though the bench points were really, mostly Zaire Porter. Like you've said, Sean, there were, there were things happening that weren't necessarily all just bench points, right? There were things like Tomba coming off the bench and, and being that defensive presence to fill in for uh, an Alex Chu who was in some foul trouble, right? That's the kind of stuff I think that's going to pay dividends in the conference tournament. If they can keep it up because depth is going to matter. And we'll point this out in just a second. Montana only played seven guys on Saturday. Five guys start in the game of basketball, folks. <laughs> so, well, and that's that's been consistent for Montana. I think they've only run seven in most of the games they've played. Yeah, and uh, you know, talking to some of our colleagues in the Big Sky Podcast Network about that, about whether that was fairly common, like you're saying, Sean, and they said it was. You know, that Mac Jones was on the bench, but that their bench is pretty short this year. And so, before we hit record here tonight talking you know amongst ourselves a little bit about whether or not that's going to be a liability when it's time to show up in Boise because you're going to run guys 35 plus minutes for three three games in a row if you can make it like that will take a toll uh and we'll see how it plays out but um I like the the way that the bench is playing right now. I would like to see a little bit more consistent production. Uh Junior Ballard had an atrocious week uh thursday and saturday were not good games for him we know that he's better than that i mean that key turnover the wildcats get the that key turnover late in the game against montana ballard has the ball turns it over running into his own guy and that kind of sealed the game because if the wildcats had been able to get a bucket right there huge pressure on montana because i think it's one point game at that at that point right but the turnover just kind of makes it a, a foul game hoping that montana will miss and uh montana is the seventh best free throw shooting team in the country guess what folks they didn't miss 
Um, I, I know this is taking a step backwards a little bit, Colby, but you asked about what I liked on or what we liked on 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 the weekend, and and here's the the long term play for me is beating Montana State right now. Conference standings hold. Montana State is the game in in the the um, semifinals, right? Um, that uh, that's the that's the team that that that's the matchup in in the conference tournament is what I'm getting at. Um, beating Montana State at home by and that second half performance gives this team confidence that if that's the matchup in Boise, that you've got. Hey, we've done this before. We can beat these guys. These guys aren't scary to us. Right now, I don't think we have that confidence against Montana and Eastern Washington, which are the other side of the bracket. And so, so staying on Montana State's side of the bracket, if we could hold on to the three spot and and stay right there, um, I think that pays big dividends uh, in Boise. Yeah, I think you're right because a close loss to Eastern is a bummer, but they're just streaking so hard right now that, you know, like you said, Sean, it's not, it's not certain that you can get the win against them. You don't know that yet. They still have a chance in Ogden, but we'll see. And I mean, the Wildcats have played Montana tough both times. Obviously they've come away with one, but it was a miracle, right? And they end up losing, losing this one in Ogden on Saturday. And so I hear what you're saying. It's a little shaky. You're not sure if you can beat them, but as it sits right now, if the bracket, if the tournament were to start today, the Wildcats are on Montana State's side. And it's weird to be saying it, but this win on Thursday, like you said, Sean, gives the Wildcats this confidence. Whereas if you had told me two weeks ago, oh, you're going to end up on the on the side of the bracket with Montana State, I would have been like, great. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but now yeah. with this win and the way the Wildcats shot the ball, you don't feel as bad about it. Yeah. No, and 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 I think I think uh, that confidence, you know, it, it's all about uh, what you know you can do um, when you, you know, you've played everybody twice. You've 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 been through the conference. You know what they're going to bring. There's no surprises in the conference tournament. Nobody's breaking out a new wrinkle of a new game plan against somebody. You're going to go with what works on that day. And you now the the different setup right now where. Um, uh, the conference tournament. And I know we're, we've talked a lot about the tournament over the last couple of weeks, Colby, and, and it's still three weeks away. Right. Sure. But, but when we only talked five a lot games about, left though, but only, only five, five games left, some teams only have four, yes. but, but you've got the format is so different this year where, where you've got the one and two play on Sunday and then have Monday off, but they're playing on Sunday after the Monday, your, your three and four seeds actually have an extra day off leading into that. Yes, you have to win three in a row, but you're coming in more fresh to that game. <laughs> Pardon me. I don't think that that extra day in the middle is as much as an advantage for these teams as the coaches think it's going to be. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. No, I hear what you're saying. I, 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 I think this, t- this, this, this tournament is going to be more balanced than you think and, and probably is more prime for upsets, but we'll talk about that later too. Yeah. Because like you said, I mean, it's six is really, you're getting a day in between, like you're saying, if you're a one or two seed. And so there's some incentive, but if you're a three or four, you're getting, you're just getting Sunday off and then, you know, off you go. And so you have to play more days in a row 
But I think everybody's pretty much used to that at this point. That's the way that the tournament has been. Yeah, and you you play you play your games for that. Um, yeah, I I think that the, the um, I like the changes of the conference tournament. It makes it a little bit longer. I like there's only two games a day. It makes it a little more family friendly. Everything's at night. You can get some more locals there. So hopefully we see bigger crowds in Boise than we have. But gosh, I, you're it's, I can't wait to be up there. That's all I'm saying. I cannot wait to be in Boise. I got my reservation at Goldie's. <laughs> Simon, I will take you and introduce you to Goldie's, and we will we'll get you there and and I have one of the best <laughs> have some of the best best breakfast in 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 the Mountain West region. That's right. Not no sponsored content there. Yeah, not <laughs> not non sponsored But hey, if it's good, if you're in Boise, go check it out because we'll probably be there. Um, guys, let's let's flip the script now. Let's talk a little bit about things we didn't like from this last week. Simon, I want to start with you, man. Things that you saw from these two games against Montana State and Montana that maybe you hope that the Wildcats can right the ship in the in the final five games of the season. Yeah, well, this kind of turned back to Wildcats of uh, 2021, 2022 here a little bit against Montana. Um, as far as defending the three and going for the three went for me, um, we didn't shoot horrendously from the three, like. Like it was not great, but it wasn't terrible. Like we shot seven for 17 against Montana state and we go for eight for 19 against, you know, Montana. So about the same, but Montana goes for 14 threes in that game shooting 56%. You can't, you can't give that up right there. Um, yeah. And so like, that's the game, I mean, right? right. That's the game. And so that's the hard thing that I that I really had right here because it reminded me of those frustrations that we all had last season. Of this was a team that did not shoot the three very well. We had Kobe McEwen, who was pretty much our our big three point shooter, and he would go through his ups and downs um, quite a bit. And then other than that, we didn't really have a ton that could hit the perimeter, and we didn't have a ton to defend the perimeter, and that was our weakness. And so that was one of the things that that I had a really hard time with this week because I know that this team especially coming into the season was designed to play from the perimeter better and play from the three better. Um, A couple other things. I mean, it's hard. Montana had been on that streak. They've been on a, I mean, we talked about Eastern Washington streak and then Montana's is probably that other, that other big streak that's going on. Um, I thought most of that was due to strength of schedule a little bit. And then I, I've been wrong because they beat Idaho state and Weaver state very well. Um, But yeah, I, I think most of my, most of my um, frustration comes from shooting from three. Yeah. I mean, the Grizz on a five game win streak right now, um, sitting at eight and six in the conference. So they were three and six before that win streak started. So that gives you an idea of where they're at right now, surging an equal four and three at home and away. So they're peaking, I guess, at the right time. But man, I got to wonder if that's going to catch up with them because, like we said, only seven guys. It's a long, it's a long road through the, the bracket in Boise. Sean, what about you? Things you didn't like from Thursday and Saturday? Um, I can I I'll, I want to do one more that I liked. I, I liked that uh we we took the game uh Saturday from 16 down to four. I think we had it as close as four um in the second half. So I, I did like that. Um you kind of felt like at the start of the game when Montana got out there, I, I, I really kind of felt like that uh, this was going to be the game where Weber State was within four the entire time and couldn't get over the hump. And that's really what it ended up being. 
Um, and they gave you hope in the second half. Um, but what I didn't like is the schedule, right? And I don't think the Big Sky Conference, and and we've got a lot of friends down there, and I, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but but I don't think the Big Sky Conference did Weber State any favors by doing the Pocatello to Greeley and then having the Montana Twins come in um, that weekend. And and the road and, and the miles and, and all that, um, it's not the toughest schedule in the Big Sky. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. But but I think that after playing on Monday, nobody else had to go through a gauntlet quite like Weber State did this last week, where you have your rivalry game, you go on a, one of the harder, more difficult road trips in the conference, and then you've got a rivalry game and a rivalry game um, right back to back. And and I, I think that um, some things could have been tweaked to make that. And yes, I'm a homer. Yes, I want Weber State to have the easiest schedule. But I, I just feel like Weber State... Um, didn't get any favors. And we started this trip, we, we split it. We did four games in a row, you split two and two, but the first one was a double overtime against the Stripes, right? And we didn't have any legs on Monday night. Um, and we almost We're didn't have tank. any legs on Saturday night, but I think the adrenaline of playing Montana and the rivalry game and the nature of that was such that, that they got up for it and they tried to make a go. But at the end of the day, we didn't have the legs in the fourth quarter to, to make the win. And, and I'm not, I wish we were, were better and we could overcome those things. But, but I think that if you look at the schedule for the entire conference as a whole, which I did, Colby will verify that I did this. I did the analysis and, and I think Excel this, this, analysis, talk- ladies and gentlemen, fancy Excel work from a master of public administration. <laughs> so I, I think that uh, this, this four game stretch was one of the toughest four games that anybody in the big sky has had this year. Getting a split was was successful. Sadly, the split um, included a loss to the hated Montana Grizzlies. Yeah, I, I it's tough because the way that the schedule gets built in the Big Sky Conference is travel partners, right? Yep. And so you're always going to see Idaho and Eastern together. The green teams go together. The Montanas go together. Weber and Idaho State go together. It's just they're in, they're kind of in chunks, right? And very rarely do those get broken up. They did get broken up with that the addition of that Greeley game, right? Because the Wildcats will face Northern Arizona in Flagstaff for the final game of the season. Well, but, you know why that got broken up, Colby? Is because of the change to the conference tournament. They yeah. changed the conference tournament from Thursday to Saturday to now Saturday to Wednesday. And that took away a weekend. And so they split up one weekend for almost every team. And, and for us, it's the, the, the Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona for Montana's for the Montana teams. It was the Eastern Idaho. That's why they're playing. And so now everybody's playing on that last Monday. And they, there were two, there are three Monday dates in the big sky because they consolidated that schedule. And I think that's where Weber state got hosed by the conference. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's the hard thing is that, it's up to the conference to pick which of those travel partners they want to break up. And unfortunately for Weber, the one that got broken up was Northern Arizona and Northern Colorado. And that Northern Colorado game got stuck right in the middle of a double overtime with the stripes and then facing two of the toughest teams in the conference. You know, it's just, this is tough road to hoe, you know? Yeah. And so, so I, I liked the grit and the fight that the Wildcats had. Um, They, again, in that second half, gave it everything they had. 
But at the end of the day, there was their fourth game in eight nights and they, they just didn't have enough to get over that hump. Um, but losing by five to Montana is no slouch. I'm not, I'm not in the moral victories, but, but, but Weber has played the top teams of the conference better than anybody else this year, bar none. And, and so I think if you're looking for somebody that can come from a three seed or a four seed and actually do some damage, I think it's Weber state. Um, and, and again, I can't wait to be in Boise to see it. Um, but I think that has the schedule and, and different factors have taken its toll on the Wildcats so that on paper, this doesn't look like the successful teams that we've had in the past. We're probably not going to win the regular season. Um, which is unusual in Wildcat coaching histories for the first season of a head coach. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I don't think it's a, a bad season at all. Um, but I, I just, it's a frustrating season and that, that's where I'm at with it. I think for me, a couple of things I didn't like, I didn't like the defense against the Grizz, the perimeter defense stunk. And that's why they were able to, make it happen the way that they did. Like Simon mentioned earlier, the Grizz shot 58, 53% in the first and second halves of that game, making seven threes each. Uh, It's too high. You need to make them miss a couple more. You need to get hands in their faces. And I thought that they did a really good job of closing out against Montana state. Who is not a prolific three point shooting team, but needed to do a better job against Montana because they are much, much better at it like as it sits right now montana is in conference play alone montana is the best three-point shooting team in the conference at 40 percent, and we let them shoot above 50 in that game so that's going to pull the average up it's got to be better you need to make a miss if you're if you see him again you have to another thing i didn't like was the assist numbers were low again um montana's assist numbers were high and that's a big reason i think why they won was because they shared the ball well and it made for some pretty easy layups. Whereas for Weber, the ball didn't get shared as well. Again, ball kind of sticks. The defense just has to collapse on a guy. Easy to shut that down. Wildcats still put up a fair number of points, but could have been easier. Sharing the ball makes a big difference. I mean, they, they put up 73 and 69. It's not a lot to complain about, right? That's fairly, it's, it's, it's good, especially considering that right now, as a team, Weber State in conference play averages 67. So you're above average in both of these games. But the assist numbers got to get better, man. They do. And then we talked about Zaire Porter and his impact, but the rest of the bench was a little, little soft. Uh, guys that normally make buckets and have had big games we're nowhere to be found this week. And I think that if they could have chipped in a couple of buckets each, or at least not commit key turnovers, these are both dubs. So I think Tim Lacombe made a, an interesting comment on, on the broadcast Saturday night that uh, both Montana and Weber state average about 45% shooting and we were shooting 48%, I think for the, for the game. Um, and Montana was shooting in the fifties and, and you figure that that's a, uh, um, Weber played their game. Montana played a little bit better than their game. And that was the difference in the game. Yeah, that's the difference. So guys, MVPs here. 
Simon, who you got? You, you can name one. You can name one of for each game. You can just name one. However, however you want to do it. Who's your MVP or MVPs in these games against Montana State and Montana? And it's really hard to to not say Dylan Jones every week, but I mean, it really I is. You have to go with them again on this week. First off, shout out because he eclipsed the one K um, career points of the Wildcat this weekend. Uh, but you know. Almost has a double double against Montana, not quite there, but I mean he's been averaging a double double this entire year. Twenty one points, yeah. eighteen points in the previous game, um, six assists in this one. He he's do it all, DJ. Um, and Which, you know, by the way, that's been catching on, folks. I mean, the broadcasts have been saying it. The away broadcasts have been saying it. And I gotta I gotta pat everybody on the back here at Weber State Weekly because that started here. That started here talking about Dylan Jones doing it all. Hashtag Own do it Kobe. all DJ. Own it. Uh, and so, you know, Weber State Weekly did that. And that's kind of, that's the fan culture coming through. And I like that. I like seeing that because that's the kind of crap that NBA scouts hear, right? Oh, do it all DJ. What's this guy about? And then they look at the stat sheet like, oh yeah, he really does do a lot of things, doesn't he? Maybe we need to give this kid a look. That's how right. guys get drafted. <laughs> um, yeah, I you can't not give it to him here. As far as if I were to pick someone else that I really love seeing, I mean, we got to go with Zaire Porter again, because Zaire Porter, he balled out. He balled out these last two games. And, you know, we got, we saw KJ come into a little bit of, um, wasn't able to play as much against Montana and comes in and really fills that role really well. And so I I got to give props to, props to Zaire Porter on that one too. Um, but yeah, those are my MVPs. Sean, what do you got? Um, my MVP for the weekend is Steve Plankin. Um comes in averaging 12 points a game or, or just under 13 points a game, uh, but was the second leading scorer, I think, in both games. If I have that right, yep, uh, 17, scored in- seven, 17 on Saturday and uh, 14. Oh, he's the third because KJ had or Zaire had 15 on on thursday but uh just a uh an all-around great shooting night for for steve both nights uh, a great weekend for him um honorable mention uh colby you're gonna you're gonna appreciate this honorable mention goes to the destruction on thursday night oh, for getting yeah. raekwon battle in his head to the point that security had to come between the destruction and raekwon battle near the end of the game that's all i'm gonna say about that but way to go weaver state students and what I'll say about this is, so there, there was a video, somebody filmed the interaction between battle and the student section. And what I liked about that interaction was it, it wasn't cringy. They were just trolling him. You know, they were out there 21, you know, you're, you're not, you're not gun, blah, blah, blah. Like just talking trash, like just, you know, just straight trash, not, not anything cringy or terrible. Just straight trash got in his head. He starts throwing stuff at the crowd, and it's just like, man, I like that. I, I know they won't say anything publicly, but I would hope that somebody from the conference office had something to say to the Montana State coaches who had something to say to that player for interacting in that way with the fans. Yeah, but shout out to the fans because I agree. They did a great job. They've been showing up a lot lately. I love all the big heads. Have you guys noticed all the new big heads they got out there? We got the uh, purple Kool-Aid man, purple Kool-Aid guy. Yeah. Yeah. We got crying Jordan out there. There's all kinds of good stuff. And so it just feels like they're having a good time out there. And I, and I really believe watching. uh, Also, it seems like they moved the band closer to the student section. Did you guys see that? Yeah, that's been a move a couple of, a couple of years 
um, there. They moved the band over that to that side of the arena. I like it uh, because like I've talked about my experience at Middle Tennessee State about how the band sits very close to the baseline and the cheer squad, you know, the spirit squad down on the floor, plus the band together are kind of the heart of leading that. Plus their student section is right next door. And so all of that, it feels like Weber State is gaining some momentum in that fan culture and building things that people want to show up. They, they know if they show up, they're going to have a good time. People are going to get loud. They're going to, you know, troll fan uh, troll players like Raekwon battle and get in their heads. And that's, that's a, that's an advantage that has been enjoyed in many schools over the years. And it's nice to start to see it build back up in, in the palace. Really quickly, guys, my two MVPs, you guys have already said them both. Steve Verplanken in that uh, Montana State game. It's easy to it's easy to go with Dylan Jones every single week, of course. But Steve right there behind him with 17 points had a really big impact. And so got to get Steve. But then Zaire Porter in that Montana game because he made so many clutch shots in that second half where it looked like about to get out of hand. Maybe the Wildcats really weren't going to be able to sustain this run that they were on to keep the pressure on Montana. And he just came up with big bucket after big bucket, some really big threes to keep that pressure on. And so hats off to him. I hope he's really feeling himself because if he's peaking, it's just the right time. So that's our recap of the two games last week that we want to talk about. Now let's go to our mailbag segment, guys. We put the, we put the, the word out on social media this week or today about, questions that you would have for our panel. We got some questions back from fellow Wildcat fans. And so I wanted to start with them and put the questions to you guys and see what you think. And so we're going to start out with a question from, from Bobby Hall, Bobby on Facebook asked us, can Weber state still snag the two seed in Boise? Um, Sean, you're the analysis it's, guy with the Excel skills. Talk to us about in this. a word. No, Nope. And I hate to say that we're not mathematically eliminated, but in a word, no, it's not going to happen. Here's what has to happen for Weber State to get the two seat. Right now, uh, Eastern is up. Uh, oh, we don't even need to talk about Eastern. Montana State is up uh, three games uh, with three losses. Weber State has five. That's a two game spread. So you need some combination of Montana State losing two games. Is possible. They still got Montana and Eastern on the schedule. They could lose two games. In order to do that, Weber has to run the table and and not lose anymore. So that's the the two things that have got to happen. I don't see either of those things happening. Um, I think Weber's probably got one more loss in them. I think Montana State is not going to drop two. Um, so take that for what it's worth. So, um, but say it does happen. Say say the Montana State drops two and Weber runs the table. Then we go to tiebreakers, and this is where it gets interesting because um, the tiebreakers would be Eastern Washington, and um, uh, Weber would have to beat Eastern, which would be a, a one and one. Montana State would have to lose to Eastern, um, which would be zero and two, um, which would give the Wildcats the tiebreaker there um, in that scenario. Um, so. That's what it would have to take is, is we were beating Eastern. But in all reality, if um, the next tiebreaker school is Montana currently and the Cat Grizz game is Thursday night, if Montana beats Montana State on Thursday, I think I have this right. If, Montana, if Montana beats Montana State 
then um, it's a split. Or pardon me, if Montana State if Montana State beats Montana, they would be two and zero against Montana and and eliminate any chance of Weber holding that tiebreaker. So I, I just think there's too much that has to happen for Weber to get the two seed. Um, yes, it is possible, but but I just think that that's you don't control your own destiny in that regard. Um, another question from our mailbag. This one coming from um, a longtime loud fan, Jeff Millard. Like hanging out with Millard at the game. He's loud. He's proud. Millard asks, is, Re- is Weber a really good team that loses to bad opponents or is Weber a really bad team that wins against great teams, good teams? I don't know. Simon, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. I think from what I've seen from this Weber State team, um, I think they really are a good team. I think this is a young team, too, that we have to factor in, that we haven't really given them as much um, focus on in, in that regard this season because we're so used to this senior presence, not necessarily a veteran presence because we've been getting the transfer portal coming in. Um, but as far as a team that can develop and go somewhere, I mean, we've seen this with a couple of the programs where they were young and they're coming back up. Um, so I think that as far as, you know, having the weapons to really kick in and, and be able to play, I mean, you have Steven Verplanken, who's great um, as far as shooting goes and, Dylan Jones, who is a phenomenal centerpiece to that team. And you have a lot of really smart basketball coming in from the guard position with KJ Cunningham. And Alex too is really coming to his own. Like we we see we see Alex too improve every season he's he's been there. Like he was most improved player last season, comes in this season and, and is excelled. So I think Weaver State is a really good team. They lose to bad teams sometimes and it it hurts. Um but we've seen them in those big critical moments. Like we saw them in Montana state. We saw them in Utah state. We saw, we saw, we see these big games where they come in in that second half and they're able to shine. And that to me is the mark of a good team is they're able to come into those tough games and those tough arenas. And like Sean said, I don't think that anybody's played, played the top five teams in the conference better than Weaver state has. So I think that's a mark of a really good team. Yeah. And I'd say that, you know, the Wildcats really only have one bad loss to their name. And it's the Northern Colorado game. That's a game. They were two of eight going into that game. Very winnable game, a game that you should have won, but you didn't have the legs for it because of double OT and Pocatello a couple of nights before. Aside from that, aside from that, everything else is fairly respectable. I mean, obviously the, the loss to the stripes is annoying, but you lost to Eastern and in Cheney, you lost to Montana on your floor. That sucks. You lost to Montana state and Bozeman. All of that is like, yeah, okay. So, and that Northern um, loss—it's bad and it's inexcusable. But I will say that I thought they were going to play a lot better this year. Northern Colorado was than they did. I don't think anyone expected them to be quite as bad as they are, as far as that record goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bill Parcells, the great NFL coach, had had a saying: "You are what your record says you are." And I think this Fair late enough. in the season. Um, uh, and going to another NFL coach, we are who we, they th- we thought they were uh, to the late great Denny Green. Um, but the, uh, I, the the Wildcats are who we think they are. They are the third place team in the Big Sky. They are they're not in the top two, and and we're close. Um, but I want to add something to Simon. What Simon said: not only do we have a young team, which I feel like. I feel like we've been saying we were a young team for like 10 years now and we never get to that senior leadership. Um, 
but uh, that's besides the point. Um, we have a young coach too. And, and even though Eric Duft has been around the program for almost 20 years, um, this is his first time in the big chair making the big decisions. He's still filling out who he is as a head coach, not as a basketball coach, but as a head coach where the buck stops with him. And he's the one that's got to make those calls in the moment. And um, I think that he's, he's going to be a different head coach in three seasons than he is now because every head coach is different in their third and fourth year than they are now. Um, So I think um, for being a first year head coach um, with the young talent that we have, I think this has been pretty good. I'm not going to say we're a good team that loses to bad teams. I'm not going to say we're a bad team that beats great teams. I'm going to say we are who we are, and that's the number three team in the big sky. And for some fans, that's mediocre. For other fans, that's pretty darn good. And and I'll let uh, the fans decide where they stand on that spectrum. Yeah, fair points all. I mean, three is not a bad spot to be in. Put you in a good position to make a run should somebody stumble. Um, it's not. It's not terrible. Next question I had for you guys was actually, this is a question from Facebook. I want to get this one in before we move to some questions that I had. Um, This is one from Jacob Bateman. He asks, what does Weber state need to do to beat Eastern Washington? Now I have, I have some takes, but I want to get Sean, your, your take on this one first. And then Simon, I want to go to you. Um, I hit Colby. I'm going to play your hits, right? Hit the three. Uh, defend and pass the ball and share the ball. I think the biggest, the biggest thing to Weber State to to beating a team like Eastern Washington is don't go on those four to five minute runs where we don't score a point. And that has been a problem not just this year, but in previous years too. But but where we we stall and you hit, so you see that plateau on on the game flow charts, and and Weber stalls for for three to five to seven minutes at a time. And that's when other teams take advantage and, and you blow your lead or you, you, you uh, give up a lead, you know, whatever it is, but, but you you just can't not score for five minutes. And then that's what needs to happen is we need to to keep uh, passing the ball, keep the composure and, and just play a complete 40 minute basketball game. Yep. Simon, what about you? What's it going to take for the Wildcats to knock off the Eagles in Ogden here in, a, in a, about a week and a half? That's a hard thing to, it's a hard thing to, to, you know, kind of strategize against. I mean, you look at Eastern Washington and they have steel venters who's averaging 15.1 points per game, but he's not far and away the the leading scorer on the team. You still got Angelo Allegri. Uh, Allegri there. Thank you. Yeah, because he cooked us. He had 28 when we played in Cheney. Yep. Tough. And you have two other players averaging over 10 points. And so, like, that is a tough team to strategize against, especially in college basketball. You have four players that are averaging over 10 points, especially in the big sky. Um, I think as far as defense goes, you have to you have to lock down. I mean, you really do. And I would maybe try to get them to take a little bit more of those three pointers and everything like that. Like they're not a terrible three pointing point shooting team. They go 35% from the three, which is, you know, it's out of their comfort zone at least. So you're getting them kind of there. Um, But you got to stop that, that sharing of the ball, especially inside and especially just mid range game um, and be able to, to kind of get them a little bit uncomfortable there. Um, As far as their rebounds go, 
Um, they're getting at least a rebound for every person on their team, pretty much as far as the averages work out. Um, and so you have to box them out of the paint. You have to be able to do that. Uh, tough team to strategize against really, really is. Um, but I think, I think that big thing is, I mean, it's a weakness for them. I know as far as guarding the three and, and shooting from three, but I think, I think that's what Weaver State has to do is they have to do exactly what their weakness is almost in a sense. The thing that they weren't able to do against Montana. Yeah. So to, to read, to kind of build on what Sean had said, my, my thing is you want to be Eastern Washington, you need to own the boards. They are fantastic at owning the boards. They are the best defensive rebounding team in the conference and one of the best in the country. Like you have to beat them on the boards to give yourself a chance. Offensively, they don't necessarily hoover up a lot of offensive rebounds, as a team, they're only fifth in the conference. They average about eight offensive rebounds a game, but they average 28 defensive rebounds. You have to beat them on the boards if you want to win. The other thing is you have to assist. Eastern has an underrated defense, I think, because we've talked about Montana State's defense, which was the number one defense going into last week's games. They're good. If you listen to the premium preview, another shout out for being a Patreon supporter. If you listen to the premium preview, you would have heard that, yes, Montana State had the best defense going into those games. The Wildcats shot the three well, and they were able to overcome it. Eastern, no different. They're a good defensive team overall. Um, but the thing that they excel at is limiting your opportunities when it comes to shooting, they're holding opponents to 41% from the field. And so you need to find a way to break that up. They're also holding opponents to 32% from behind the arc. So you have to shoot the ball well. And I think that in order to shoot the ball well, you have to pass. The assist numbers have to be there in order to shoot the ball well. You have to give yourself an opportunity for uncontested shots or good looks. So you need to assist the ball well and you need to rebound the ball. If you do if you do those two things, I think you can beat Eastern. Can I can I add one other thing to this conversation? Um I just went back and looked at Eastern's conference uh run. So what is it? Uh, 15 and 0 now or 13 and 0 in, in conference. Yeah. Um uh so the 13 conference just the conference wins, just the conference schedule. They have three games that were three point victories one game that was a four point victory and a couple in the six to seven point victory range. What does that tell you about this team is that one or two bounces the other way and they're not undefeated. They have been lucky. They have been making their own opportunities. I don't want to take anything away from them, Yeah, but, but they have survived by the skin of their teeth. By the way, two of those three point victories on the road. They are not as good on the road as they are at home, which which you would expect. Um, but the fact that they come to Ogden and and still have to play the Wildcats here, we were four point different in Cheney. Um, you know, most most places will give you three points at home if you're betting on it. Um, so um, you know, this this almost could be a toss up game when you look at it like that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. That's why you play the games, but. But I think, um, gosh, one of their three-point victories was Northern Arizona. Guys, right? And Northern, Northern Arizona Ari is the best three-point shooting team in the conference. Well, let's see. Northern that's, that's Arizona is not hold. lighting up the, uh, the, the, the standings. They're, right? they're two now. They're number two in the conference. But yeah, like they shoot the ball well. Yeah, but, but they're not winning games. They're not. Right? They're and losing they close games, and that sucks They're for losing them. close games like Portland State the other night on a buzzer beater, right? 
Um, so ESPN so, top play, by the way. Yeah. So the uh, to me, I uh, you know as uh, an extra three point here, a couple extra free throws there. Eastern's beatable, guys. Yeah, that's why rebounding is important. Give yourself additional opportunities. Keep them off the glass. If you can do that, you can give yourself extra opportunities to score. If you can do that, you can beat them. They are beatable. And you can save the pride of 2003. <laughs> all right, guys, last question. And, and really, that's what it's all about. Oh, it's all about that right now. Like, Wildcats aren't getting the number we, one seed. It's fine. We're, we're the 72 Dolphins right now, and we're <laughs> we're going to pop a cork when Eastern loses. Oh, yeah. Like, no, let's keep that 2003 team intact as the only. Uh, all right. So last question for you guys, and then we'll, we'll move into the upcoming schedule. I wanted to ask you this. Who is going to choke in the conference tournament this year? And what I mean by that is a team that loses to a team that shouldn't, or a team that doesn't go as far as they should. Who's that team for you? Simon. Oh, Sean's going to make Simon go first. (laughs) Man is. I still got to look at this for a sec. Like Simon needs more time. Let's give you some analysis here, Simon. All right, Sean's if the that. standings today hold right. Uh, we've got Idaho and NAU playing on Saturday night for the right to play. Iwu. Iwu's going to win that game. You got Portland state and NOCO uh, for the right to play Montana state. I think Portland state's going to win that game. Seeds are basically going to hold for that. Um, I think of the teams that are there, I think, and and the way the bracket holds, I think Montana State is the most vulnerable. And Colby set down some ground rules before we started because I asked him to. And and basically, if you're a number one or a number two seed and you don't make the championship game, that's choking. That's Colby's rule. Am I, yeah. am I correct on that, yeah. Colby? Yeah, 100%. So, that, that's the way I feel, right? Like, if you are the number that, one or two, you should be in the championship game. It's as simple as that. And, and I think Montana State um, having to go against Weber is a more likely opportunity for Montana state not to make the championship game than Iwu going up against Montana at this point. Yeah. We kind of talked about that, right? We kind of talked about how, you know, with this Montana state team, we've kind of proved that they are beatable. Um, and it was nice because we were on a three game losing streak against them overall. Um, and we were able to snap that on Thursday. And so, yeah, I would say, I would say I definitely agree with that. Um, I don't think like as far as Montana goes playing up against Ewu, um, there are some similarities there as far as like, you know, that ability to share the ball and shoot from three that we talked about that could make that game interesting. But yeah, I think, I think it points back to what you were saying, Sean, we were saying a little bit earlier in the show that, that Weber state being Montana state is probably the most, that's the, that's the bust that we can that we can maybe see happening a little bit more than the other ones. So yeah, I'd agree. That might be a coward out, but I I don't know if I Ibu, Ibu is seven points better than Montana in two games this year. Yeah, seven both games were were seven point victories. Um yeah. so I we talked about this early in the show. It's it's all about that confidence on whether you think you can beat somebody. Weaver thinks they can beat Montana State. Um I don't think Montana thinks they can beat Ewu today today. Yeah. yeah, guys, for me, looking at this, like the team that should go further, but maybe won't 
it's tough because I'm very interested in that four or five matchup. If the, if the, if the standings held today, Montana would be the number four seed, Idaho state, the five um, Montana probably wins that game, but Idaho state, as we've seen is a scrappy enough team that they could win. And, but that's not really an upset, right? Four or five. Eh, it's toss up. That's not good enough. And so I, I think I'm going to tend to agree with Sean that should Montana state make it past the winner of, you know, should this hold the winner of Portland state or Northern Colorado, they would have to face a Weber state team who would play sack. And we'll see how Weber looks against sack the second time this week. But um, yeah, man, like if Montana state struggles in that first game for whatever reason and doesn't get it done or stumbles into a potential game with Weber, if Weber, you know, takes care of their own business and makes sure that they get through, um, it can look really good. Now, just looking at Montana state, the way that they've played, they have handily beat Portland state once uh, they'll get another crack at them again. And then on the other side, let me, let me see who, who else they're facing. They could potentially face is Oh, Northern Colorado yeah, Northern Colorado. Like it wasn't close the first time it wasn't close the second time. So I don't know. Can I, uh, can I throw a big asterisk in this? If a huge, if, but let's say Eastern runs the table going undefeated in the number one seed. They are beatable. We've, we've shown, I think the pressure's statistics on. and everything pressure's on. Pressure, it's on either way. I just, well, think it's on either way, but, but I think, but I think if they're undefeated, there's the pressure to, to run on the table and you run the table in the conference. I think, I think if they get upset, even in the championship game, they choke. Cause if you were, if you go three months without losing a game and then lose one in Boise, even one. if it's the title game, and you don't go to the NCAA tournament because you didn't win the conference tournament. I think that's a joke. So it's, it's a little bit selfish because if we're talking about seeding, if you want the sky to get a better seed, you probably want that to happen because Eastern then maybe gets a better seed and has an actual chance to beat somebody, which the conference desperately needs right now. They're probably a 13, but I don't, I don't want to see it. <laughs> like selfishly, yeah. I don't want to see yeah. it. <laughs> so. You know, Kobe, you skipped over, and I'm going to make you extend this show by three more minutes, and I'm sorry. But uh, uh, you skipped over the question you have prepped over the conference play of the year, which I think is the more interesting discussion than yeah. who's going to choke in the tournament. Because here's here's my dime store analysis: the player of the year should be connected Northern Colorado, but it's he's he's in top ten or top fifteen in most of the major categories in the conference. Yeah, but his team sucks. And they're not going to give player of the year to a, to to a guy on a bottom at the bottom of the table. It's just like Dalen Koontz last year. Dalen Koontz was leading. You're not going to get that reward. And, and Noko was better last year than they are this year. And he still didn't even get a sniff. Like he wasn't. So, so the question is um, right now, Eastern is a very balanced team. We talked about this. They, they share the ball and they don't have a dominant guy who is their go-to alpha that is going to be the player of the year. So usually that that goes to the best player on the best team. Right. But we don't have that. And the best player in the conference is probably connect, but he's, he's on a, a mid level team, which opens the door. And I think Hello, this is man. the most, okay. Okay. Whatever. But what I'm saying, I think this is the most wide open conference player of the year race that we've had in a long time, because I don't know who gets it. Right. Well, well selfishly, I wanted to be do it all DJ. And I is think- Weber too far down the table for that to happen. 
if the Weber State ends up with three seed, um, and and especially I think if say okay, if Dylan Jones has a massive game and the Wildcats beat Eastern, front runner status. Mark it down. Front runner status. Yeah, because if that happens, that would mean that Jones is top. So he's top. He's the fifth leading scorer in the conference. He is the number one rebounder in the conference by a wide margin. He is one of the one of the better. Um, he is eighth in the conference in field goal percentage. Um, assists. He's fifth in the conference. You know, like he's right there in so many different statistical categories that it's like, yeah, man. Like you add it all up. Do it all I think DJ, DJ, DJ is guy. on the list. I think he's number two on the list right now. Um, maybe number three, but that's only because of Weber's place in the standings. And and that to me, that's the whole argument. And I don't have a vote, but but that's the one that that interests me is who's conference player of the year. Cause I I don't know who it is uh because Eastern doesn't have a dominant player. Uh maybe it goes to to Raquan Battle at, at Montana State. Could, but that, but that'd be two conference players of the year in a row for for the Bobcats. Um, I don't know. I, Battle has the numbers, but I don't. I don't know that he has. He can definitely score, but that's what he does. He's he doesn't uh, have the well round. He doesn't have the all around game that DJ yeah. has. But my thing is, I think that probably default status for this Sean is what you've already talked about, which is the best player and that will be decided probably by the team on the best team, which is Eastern Washington. So somebody on Eastern Washington gets it. And it's sort of like last year where Jabril Bello got conference player of the year was, was Jabril Bello the best player in the conference last year? I didn't think so, but they were the best team and they gave it to them and they said, who's the best player on your team? And they said, Bellows it. So I guess he's conference player of the year. So, uh, so here's the interesting thing. But he's no Joel Ballin boy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. I looked this up. There have been nine different players, men's player of the week uh, awards by the big sky, right? Nine different players have won player of the week honors. Only two or three guys, three guys have won it twice. Um, Dylan Jones, Weber State's own Dylan Jones, still venters from Iwu and Isaac Jones um, from Idaho. Idaho. So, so I think if you're going with, with as, Maybe the the um, if player of the week is the precursor and the guy that wins player of the week the most is generally your 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 best player. Maybe you get it to Steel Venters, Jones and Venters. It, but but I think it's a two way race between Dylan Jones and Venters, and and but I have a hard time giving it to Venters because he's not top ten in all the different categories. He's 2.5 on rebounds, 1.2 in assists, 0.9 in steals, and 0.4 in blocks. Like, not even close to... He's replaceable on that team. <laughs> well, he's, yeah. he's he's a great shooter. And, you know, that was the thing last year with him, is that he was a very... He was one of the best three-point shooters in the country. But, and a team that shares the ball so much, his scoring numbers aren't as gaudy. Plus, he doesn't have the rebound numbers. And I feel like those are the two heavy hitters when it yeah. comes to statistical categories in the way that we talked about this with in football, defensive ends have this advantage for the Buck Buchanan because they rack up statistics that weigh heavier than say cornerbacks do. And so that was the case against, 
you know, Maxwell Anderson because he wasn't able to get sacks. And you know, that's because it's not what he does. Yeah. Well, sorry, I, I made you extend the show. I'm, I'm sorry, Colby, but that Listen, was the, that was the more interesting conversation to me. Hey, this show's free, and so if we want to talk into a microphone a little bit longer, eh, we talk into a microphone a little bit longer. Wildcats fans get a little bit more content. So let's look at the upcoming schedule. Uh, this week, Wildcats will be on the road. They will take the trip the trip out to California and Oregon to face the Green teams. It's the Green Team road trip starting on Thursday, February 16th at Sac State. They're going to the Trash Nest. To face the, the Hornets, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That one's on ESPN Plus or 103 Won the Wave. Then Saturday, February 18th at Portland State, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Once again, ESPN Plus or 103 Won the Wave. If you want to hear Steve Klauke, which you should. Steve Klauke's great. Listen to him. He's fantastic. Then um, big week comes up Thursday, February 23rd. The Eagles come to Ogden, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeberStateSports.com, ESPN Plus, or 103 on the Wave. I would be there for that game because we've seen how the student section is is showing out. Um, this game is going to be important. Um, it's going to be really important. And as we saw, the Wildcats played the Eagles close in Cheney. If they can find some magic and get up the way they did against Montana State last week, man, that'd be a heck of a win. So be in the Palace on Thursday, February 23rd. Should be a, a pretty good one. Then Saturday, February 25th, Idaho comes to the Palace, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Get your tickets, ESPN uh, Plus or 103 Won the Wave. Then the final game of the season, Wildcats will take the trip up to Flagstaff to take on Northern Arizona, who is losing a lot of close games. This is a really weird game because it's like one of those trap games, I feel like. It's a game you should win, but it's the last game of the season and it's in Flagstaff. And... Northern Arizona weird things happen in Flagstaff weird things happen in Flagstaff. And so it's like, I could see us potentially, you know, not winning this game, but we'll see that game would be a 6 PM mountain center time. ESPN plus one or three on the wave. And then it's conference tournament time, folks, March 4th through the 8th, big sky tournament in Boise, Idaho. Get your info at big sky There's all the info on which um, there's specific hotels for the team. If you want to stay in the hotel, the same hotel as the team, uh, there are specific um, pubs or restaurants around town that are supposed to be like the spot for wildcat fans. Um, I've got some things up in the air, but um, my hope is to go to Boise. And if we do, we will make sure that we do a meetup at the, um, at the appointed uh, place, which is the Sean, do you remember what it's called? It's the white. Uh, oh gosh, Kobe. Nah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now just to, so that it can get, it, it will be in your minds um, on where you're supposed to do it. So the fan zone is what they're calling it. The fan zone. It's going to be at white dog brewing company and the team hotel will be the Hampton Inn um, downtown. So those are kind of the two things you need to know. Uh, but if I will try and do a, a meetup at the white dog brewing company sometime during the conference tournament so that wildcat fans can get together, we can talk. Um, meetups are always fun when we do uh, wildcat meetups. It's always a good time. And so if you're in Boise, let your friends know, pull everybody together. Let's get some purple in the, uh, the white dog. Did I say that right? Yes. The white dog brewing company. And uh, let's have a good time. man. Let's, let's be wildcat fans. It's great. I love being in Boise. It's fun. So email us, weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash weberstateweekly if you want to get that good premium preview content. It's there for you, but you got to be a patron. Just saying, sign up, become a patron, support us. 
help us do stuff, cool stuff. Um, guys, I want to thank you both for taking some time to chat with me about some hoops. Always good to have you, Sean Lewis, and good to have you back for this one, Simon Mortensen. We'll wrap it up like we always do, man. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Wildcats.